Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, you guys. Hi, it's Anna David with the After Party Pod. How are you guys today? Um, it's 4.45 on a Monday, which I don't think I need to tell you. That's a, that's a time when people are drained, I think. I don't know. Maybe Friday at 4.45 is more of a drained time, but I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Monday, so... That's that's just the reality, you guys. I got to be real. And welcome to the show. If you're new, this is a podcast where we talk about addiction and recovery, healthy living, but but we also listen to me ramble some in the intro. I had somebody ask me recently, do you write those intros and then read them? Which is an awesome question because I would have to be super talented to make this sound as disorganized as it truly is, as as I know it sounds. So I took it as a compliment. I take most things as either a compliment or criticism. You know what I mean? It's called narcissism, you guys. And speaking of which, I wanted to talk about a few of the emails that have come in regarding this podcast. I don't think I've talked to to you guys about this on previous intros. I I will say that ah, these intros get repetitive because I have no memory anymore. And, um, and then I'll listen. I'll be like, Oh my God, I said that the previous week. Um, another thing about the intros, I just had somebody say to me, I, um, I, sorry, I just got an email that my friend is rescheduling dinner. No big deal. 445 on a Monday. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys feel like when a, like a plan cancels, it's kind of like, Oh, cool. I get that time. I don't know. I feel like that a lot, especially with lunches, but, but okay. Sorry. 17 non sequiturs converging at once. Somebody said to me recently, God, I, you know, I heard, I heard that your recent episode and, you know, just, I want you to know I'm always here for you. And I go, God's name did I say in this intro? And, and, and if I'm feeling good, I get a little defensive about like, you know what? Look, I'm fine. I don't, I don't uh, you know, and so I was a little defensive, but it was really sweet. Um, anyway, you guys, I am fine today. So no need to send me any emails. Um, it's asking me if I'm okay. You know, send an email. I love it. Speaking of which, okay. Have I talked about these? Got an email from somebody who loved the interview with Amber Smith talked about the excellent audio quality uh, compared to before. And that was really nice. And what else? 
Um, got an email. Uh, people talk, Somebody talked about how uh, they like it when we talk about relationships. That's happening more. Oh, somebody, same guy who liked the Amber Smith episode, wanted to know why Mike Carano and I aren't dating. Previous podcast guests. So many reasons. And I did share this email with him, and we had a hearty laugh about it. And uh, somebody wrote about how he loved, I think it's a he, he loved the interview with Alexis Nyers. That's back when the uh, sound quality was not good. So thank you for listening despite that and liking it. And it's a great transition into today's guest, Mitchell Sunderland, and who's who's a total character and really, really cool, funny, smart, smarter and more uh, seeped in knowledge and facts than any 23-year-old, might be 24, has any right to be. He is an editor at Vice Magazine, speaking of outrageous things to be when you're in your early 20s, but he was hired when he was, he started interning there in college, you know, one of those, you know, positive millennial stories, but he uh, has had a crazy, crazy life, uh, grew up in Florida, and uh, crazy family situation, he gets into that, uh, has OCD, had, you know, was breastfed till he was five, I don't want to give too much away, but but there is a lot we get into, um, struggled with alcoholism, is now sober, and is a really cool guy. We met because he had done a story on Alexis Nyers that I read, and I believe maybe I reached out to him, and when I was having her on the podcast, I don't know, we became Twitter friends, as that will happen, and um, we met once in New York, and I did write a story for him on Jerry Stahl, previous podcast guest Jerry Stahl, and that ran on Vice, and he just moved out to LA. So, so we did this. And the fascinating thing, what I did not realize is that Alexis Nyers is a huge part of his impetus to get sober. Uh, by the way, if you guys don't know who she is, shame on you. And also she was the star of the reality show, Pretty Wild, and, uh, was then part of the, um, the little crew of, uh, fabulous 20-somethings that broke into celebrities' houses, documented in the film The Bling Ring. Emma Watson played Alexis. Alexis is now sober. A long time and very inspiring. And But anyway, we're talking about Mitchell. And yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I, I remember I, I quit smoking the day that I interviewed Salma Hayek about how she had to uh, learn to smoke uh, to play Frida. Kahlo, I mean, just to like Kalo, what? That both sound weird. Uh, anyway, and, and I was thinking about that, and then I ended up quitting smoking that day. I don't credit her with it, but I, oh, I remember that vividly. So anyway, uh, that's enough of me. Now let's get to Mitchell Sunderland. Okay. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Why? We're totally going now. Um, we met once in New York at um, I was trying to be fabulous and go to Soho House with you, but then remember it was like weirdly closed? 
Yeah, it was like a Thursday, and they were closed on Thursday that week or whatever. And so we went to that diner that's on the corner of, you know, like Ninth Avenue. Yeah, it's by the meatpacking. Yeah, and it's like a weird diner, whatever. Yeah, it's old and hasn't been shut down somehow. <laughs> they must own the building. <laughs> but, but okay, what ha- had happened is I think I did, I read your Alexis mm-hmm. Nyers interview. The best one. It truly was, because I think that it sort of broke the story that she was um, super different than we thought she was. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone had known before that. I mean, people knew she was had a baby, and people knew that she got married and had gone to rehab, but I don't think people knew that she was high the whole time she was on that show. People could have guessed, but I don't think the depth of the Yeah, I don't is. think like people thought heroin. Yeah. Yeah, and I certainly don't think that people thought she was this sweet girl who is, like, dedicated to helping others with recovery. Yeah, those are all things people didn't know. I also don't think they knew the full depth of the family stuff. Yeah. Because it was very surface on the show. Yeah, yeah. I never really watched the show, amazingly, because I used to love that kind of thing. Oh, I mean, I think it's the best reality show ever. (laughs) It's definitely, like, the Grey Gardens of reality Something wild? Is that what it was called? Pretty wild. Pretty wild. So, okay, so I think you did your story, then I did the, I got her on the podcast, which was like a super thrill. And then somehow we tweeted at each other? Yeah, and then you were in New York and said, let's get lunch, and we just got lunch. Yeah, yeah. And then I did that one story for you on Jerry Stahl, yeah. which was super fun to do, and I yeah. love him so much. Previous podcast guest, Jerry oh, Stahl. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and so then I, because you are such a good twit, tweeter. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, follow this guy if you're, you know, not at Mitchell Sun- Sunderland. At Mitch Sunderland. Oh, my God. You can't get Mitchell in there because it's too, too long. long of an, yeah. It's 18 letters. Yeah, okay. And I think now. the cutoff is 16. But you've, you're a full-on Mitchell. You don't go. You are no, so no. Mitch is Mitch. like a frat bro. I'm not a Mitch. I'm a Mitchell. You're the opposite of a Mitch. Yeah, a Mitch is a frat bro. So, um... So maybe like hold the mic a tiny, yeah, but like, you know, just not a whatever. Yeah. You've got a good loud voice and so whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, so, and so you, you tweet well and then you're consistently funny and I know so much about growing up in Florida from you and so much about, is Sarah Lawrence, is that? That's where I went, yeah. Yeah. I mean like so much about the alumni from Sarah Lawrence, like, like you are very funny and descriptive. Thank you. <laughs> I think, um... And, and you also got your job at Vice at, like, the age of 12, right? I was 20. <laughs> but um, the, I've been there, uh, like, three and a half years now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I was an intern my sophomore year yeah. when I was still drunk. Yeah. And then I freelanced for them my junior year when I was even more drunk. Right. And then they hired me. The Coincidentally, it was the day I got sober. They hired me what? on staff the day I got sober. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, it was just coincidental, though. It was, right. I got... Or it wasn't coincidental in the whole universal scheme of maybe things. Maybe in the though. universal scheme of things. Like, from... I, it was not, like, a plan. Like, right. It was, I had decided the day before I was going to get sober, and then they called me in the next day. So it was just, like, within a 24-hour... Not even 24 hours. It's probably, like, 13. Because I was... Right. So... Um, I'll tell you a dumb story that... Um, that... I agreed to answer phones at central office one day at like six in the morning. And I, I told somebody who had less than six months. So he needed me to go with him. And I was just like, I can't believe I can't, whatever. I can't believe I have to do this. And the night before, this is such a retarded story that I'm self-conscious. I ended up like uh, meeting and like 
possibly making out with this like very famous person whose name I will tell you afterwards. And I was like, oh, it's the universe's way of rewarding me for agreeing to do this, this like really selfless act I don't want to do. <laughs> what do you think of that as a theory? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Do you believe in that? Like, do you believe? I believe in like a grander plan, Mm -hmm. like, or that like everything happens for a reason. You do believe in that. Yeah, I do think everything. That surprises me about you. I wouldn't think that you believe that for some reason. A lot of people think I'm pessimistic, but like to come from what I've come from and not be like in a gutter, you'd have to be optimistic. Well, okay. So let's, let's transition into where you come from. (laughs) Florida. Not just Florida though. So I grew up in Florida. Fort Lickerdale, as they call it. Uh-huh. And my parents own a pet store. It was one of the, it was the biggest one in Miami. I don't, it still might be, but it used to be Purina or some dog company when I was a kid did some like study on the biggest privately owned pet stores in America and it was number two or something. Okay, so this doesn't sound tragic so far. Well, the pet industry though has a lot of like, it was a smaller industry and they got bigger in the 90s mm-hmm. when you give a lot of like, who's going to pick up dog shit for a living? Crackheads. So right. when you give money suddenly to people who are from lower classes, a lot of the times that leads... Nouveau. Nouveau. And yeah. drugs? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, like, vets, for instance, mo- a lot of vets do ketamine. Oh, because they get it. Because they get it. Yeah. Um, a lot of dog... Like, who is going to pick up dog shit for eight fifty an hour? Wait, I don't understand. So, if you own a big pet store, so what do you mean? Like, who's well, picking like, up the dog shit? You don't pick it up at a pet store? Is this a dumb question? Well, you have kennel boys. Kennel okay. boys are, like, guys who pick up shit for a living. In the store? In the store. Because if the dog poops, you got to pick it up. Okay. So, that's a that's a real profession. That is a real profession. Okay. An eight fifty dollars an hour profession. But you have to think about, like, who's going to go into that? And even though my parents own the store, it's like, if you're, like, a Hollywood mogul's yeah. child, you're yeah. going to be exposed to, like, all the drugs and sex and shit from just being in the middle of it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And I don't mean to be argumentative, but I will say, well, when I was sort of bottoming out and desperate for a job, I... um. The UTA, this agency, has a, yeah. a a job list. You know about this, and so like if you're super in the know, you can get this job list. I don't even know if it still exists. Yeah. So I went in. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a super fabulous industry job. And this woman who worked, I can't even remember where, hired me as her like personal assistant, where I had to walk her dog and pick up yeah. the shit. That's a little different though, because that's not. First of all, there aren't the pet industry doesn't exist in California anymore because of legislation. Okay. So there are no breeders here. Oh yeah. Okay. There. Are, any pet store here, it's technically uh, adoption agency because of the legis- the laws. Even the fancy ones? They don't. They can't stay in business here because they've all the animal activists have gotten legislation here that's put a lot, most of them out of business. Not all of them, but the majority of them are out, went out of business in California. Okay. Missouri's like that. Florida and Iowa are two of the last places where there's like barely any laws, but certain counties in Florida, you can't really have a pet store anymore, a dog store specifically. You can still sell like fish, but dogs are the only thing anyone takes. I didn't know any of this. I mean, we're definitely getting sidetracked, but this is fascinating. Well, it's because, like, Americans are totally fine with, like, wearing clothes that was made in factories where people are abused. But they're not okay with even rumors about a dog's being, like, on a farm. Um, And there's no, like, working definition. Like, there is no U.S. government definition of a puppy mill. It's all subjective. But there are breeders, Yes, but according to some animal activists, any breeder is a puppy mill. 
Right. Um, like according to PETA, right. like if you're breeding 16, if you have 16 dogs, that's a puppy mill. If it's the animal liberation front, like they believe that any dog that is reproduced for profit is puppy mill. Oh my God. So it's like a witch hunt. So back to your family. So they own this this pet store, yeah. big pet store, and you're exposed to these um, these these drug addicts who right? work there. Yeah, who work there. Okay. Um, and also though, my mom was sick. Yeah, she has health problems, so she was, they gave her a lot of pain pills, and she'd do weird things. Like one time when I was like 13, she locked us in her car in the middle of the night just to yell at us in the car. Oh my god. Um, she fell asleep at the wheel once while she was on Ambien, and I didn't know how to drive at the time, so I had to wake her up. And this is you, and you have one sibling or more? No, there's five of us. We're Catholic. Oh, my God. Um, so, and there's also a lot of other... Weird, you have to remember, like, she didn't go to college. Right. She grew up in a trailer park. Right, right. Like, she got money, but she came from a small French-Canadian village. Right, And then right. Moved, her family moved to Miami, and they lived in a trailer park. Right, right. So, these things are connected right. to that. Because you can get money in this country, but no one really changes class group. Right. Like, if you're born middle class, you're going to spend money like you're middle class. Right. There's very few people who actually transcend right. the class or their class origins. Jay-Z? No. I mean, he spends, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, frivol- okay. frivolously. I'm just trying to be argumentative. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. And so, she, so there's five of you, she and your dad. But I know this drama with your dad from Twitter. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, okay. Because okay. um, that is connected to the addiction part. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but I knew there were drug issues in the family. It, like, she wasn't abusing the pills on purpose. They were prescribed. Mm-hmm. Um, doctors in this country, as everyone knows, yeah. don't prescribe pills all. My older brother, though, would take, like, a lot of acid and ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, bring me in the room while he was on acid when I was, like, seven. Mm-hmm. And talk to me. Mm-hmm. So, I was aware that there were drug issues. And you knew that he was on drugs at that time? I found out years later. Okay. But by the time he had told me... I was already drinking. Right. Um, but my mom also did weird things. Like, she breastfed me till I was five. Oh, my God. Okay. So, like, I can still to this day remember what her breast milk tastes okay, like. Okay, okay. So, like, when I hit puberty, there were issues revolving around sex. Yeah. And then when I was 12 or... I was somewhere between the age of 12 and 14. I don't remember. A much older teenager took advantage. He would have had to be, like, 17 going on 18. Right. And I was, like, did not have leg hair yet kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. Um... So I had issues revolving around sex. Yeah. And then the way I handled, like, growing up in such a crazy household is I had OCD. But then when I went to counseling, like, I got the OCD under control, but I never went on medication. Mm-hmm. And then I just had all this pent-up anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to be sexual, but had, like, a lot of issues with it. So then, and I never did drugs. Because Question, when did you know you were gay? 13. Okay. Um... Thank God I'm gay. I can't imagine being straight and being breastfed till you were five. That sounds like a disaster. Right. I can't I mean, even imagine both. like the maternal issues. Yeah. Um. So then, but I never wanted to do drugs because I was like, there's drug issues in the family and I'm not going to go down that road. Right. However, nobody had alcohol issues. Right. So I thought I'd be fine because my siblings drank and they never got really messed up. However, last year I found out I have a different father. Yep. And on his side of the family... People start drinking at 10 a.m., the majority of them. I had a cousin who got drunk when he was 19 and drove a four-wheeler off a cliff. Oh, my God. So, biologically, I was actually... Predisposed on both sides. Yes. But if you believe alcoholism and addiction are the same thing, do you? I 
I think it like depends on the substance because I know people whose whole family's into downers, and then people whose whole family's into uppers. But, but, um, I don't know. I mean, don't you do you believe that like you know it's sort of like a drug addict who takes his drugs away will just drink alcoholically? I don't. I don't. I think it depends on the person okay. and the family. Like I don't. Like there's, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. But like, I didn't realize that the drinking. We're talking like, like German kind of drinking. <laughs> what does that mean? Just like German and Irish, like right, the right. kind of like you immigrant. Like right. they came here as immigrants. They drank a certain way that was not the way the Protestants drank. Right. Like, right. Catholicism. Look, because we're Catholic. Catholics like are like Catholics brought the mafia to this country. <laughs> Right. And Catholics brought heavy drinking to this country. Well, so, but, you know, if alcoholism, do you believe alcoholism is about how much you drink or that it's about, like, something else? Like, the way you think about drinking, the way you obsess over drinking? My whole thing with it is, like, is it affecting your personal life? Mm-hmm. I had that. Is mm-hmm. it affecting your work life? I never really got there, but mm-hmm. I wasn't working enough for it to. Mm-hmm. It was affecting my school because mm-hmm. I just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then is it affecting, like, your health? Yeah. And I was vomiting all the time. Right. So, <laughs> right. So you had two out of the three, and the third was kind of N.A., like, not in, as in not. Yeah, or in, like, work. if you count school as work, then it was yeah. hitting all three. But at first, it didn't, because I wasn't even ever planning the drink. And then I was at a party when I was 16 or 17. I had one drink, quickly drank half a bottle of vodka. Mm-hmm. I blew someone's boyfriend mm-hmm. behind, in the boy who brought the boy was there. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. blew him behind a KFC mm-hmm. um, down the road. Mm-hmm. Came back to the house covered in his semen. Okay, that was a um, messy one. So it was just from the be- That's first drink. Right, right, right. That's not like second drink. Third, that is like first yeah. drink. However, like the way I never got bullied at school was by coming to school with crazy stories about my family. Uh-huh. So... People were fine with it. They liked it. Right, because you were the wild one. I was the wild one. Also, it's Miami. Like, what yeah, do that, people... Was that even wild by Miami it standards? It was wild by Miami standards, but also, like, the more wild you are in Miami, it's kind of like... The cooler. The cooler, the better. Like, they don't have... Miami's very different from the rest of the country in terms of class and what's acceptable and a lot of different things. Um, by the way, watch the gesturing with the mic. I'm oh, like, sorry. Uh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to infringe on your yeah. way of speaking. But you are a gesturer. Yeah. Who knew? Okay. So okay. So that's your first drink, and then and then where does it go from there? What's the next talking point? Um, I just kept on drink. I just went from party to party, and I threw the parties also because mm-hmm. my mom is a hoarder, and she had a separate house behind her puppy store. Mm-hmm. where she kept everything she hoarded. But because it was in a bad neighborhood, the cops would never come. Mm-hmm. So then I would throw the parties, charge $10. That was my job because I was in high school during the recession. Mm-hmm. So like if you wanted money, you couldn't like go to Cold Stone. Mm-hmm. Like no one was hiring. Mm-hmm. So I threw these parties. I charged $10 a pop. I'd make $1,000 a night. Oh my God. When you subtract like a bouncer, I think cost like 100 bucks, And then the cleaning service we called after cost like 200 And then we probably and it depends some nights we buy the liquor it depended but i'd clear like 400 to 700 dollars a night wow so entrepreneurial and you just had that idea yeah well what it was was like uh, the jocks wanted to come because i was friends with the girls mm-hmm. i didn't like them because they used to be mean to me eventually stopped being mean to me because i was meaner than them mm-hmm. but it, so then i was like if you want to come you have to pay mm-hmm. and then it turned into everyone paying mm-hmm. and then because there was no first of all it's a weird house because it's 
a hoarder's house. There's right. things to the ceiling. Right. So people liked partying it just because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. No adult supervision. The cops aren't going to come. Everyone would fuck on the dog bed in the garage. Because mm-hmm. okay. there's obviously tons of dog beds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And But the garage also had, like, um, generators in it full mm-hmm. of gasoline. Mm-hmm. So it was, like... Remember one time someone passed out in there, mm-hmm. and it was like you had to get them out really fast. Oh Jesus! Because like of the gasoline smell. Yeah. So it was like they filled a kiddie pool in the back with like bubble bath. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like I've never went to a party in New York that was crazier than a party right. I went to in high school. <gasps> that you threw. That I threw yeah. and made money off of. Yeah. So it didn't seem like a problem because a I'm making more money than my friends with real jobs. Yeah. Because what does a high school make? And money, like they make a hundred dollars a week after taxes, yeah, probably, yeah, because they work such little hours and such yeah. shitty jobs. So I was making more than anyone. Everyone wanted to come. I still got a college scholarship because it didn't seem like there were any problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then I went to New York, mm-hmm. where these things aren't <laughs> acceptable. Um, They're not. I think this is the thing with New York is like everyone drinks a lot. They don't get like no one is like having like threesomes on dog beds. <laughs> They're not? No, in New York, my experience with New York is everyone just gets belligerently... Like, they're not fun drunks in New York. They're all just kind of, like, drunk. They're not, That's true. They're, no one's doing anything crazy. It's not, like, hedonistic. It's just, like... Like, when I saw people drinking in New York, I thought it was boring. Because they just go to bar from bar to bar to bar and then just go home with someone. And, like, they'd spend so much doing it. They weren't, like, fun drunks. Right. They weren't, like, drunk, like... Like performatively drunk, like right. It was just like not. I didn't see the point. Yeah. Okay. So okay. then I'd go to parties. I would do my thing. People, people, like, um, people would get upset, but I didn't. Again, think it was that big of an issue because it wasn't really an issue yet. Because it was mm-hmm. like a once a week thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like four to five nights a week yet. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't even realize it was a problem until I went out with some older people to Fire Island. Mm-hmm. I blacked out. I thought I hadn't fucked anyone. Mm-hmm. And then we were leaving. And I was like, and the last thing I remembered was being on a pier with someone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. I was on Fire Island. I didn't hook up with a single person. Oh, no. And they both burst out to laughter. And they were like, you hooked up with a minimum of three. But I had no clue. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and I was also getting like, a mean drunk um, and getting to fights with people and so it was clearly becoming an issue Mm -hmm. but like no one said anything about it Mm -hmm. to me and I was still doing fine in school so I didn't really and don't you think your friends were also doing oh completely yeah yeah. they were all but they were boring drunks like I was the funnest drunk like they were boring like they mostly just drank too much and like you didn't see any like end result there's a girl who lived next door to me who I would drink with, who, like, she'd sometimes get suicidal, but I don't think that had to do with alcohol. I think that had to do with, like, other things, and the alcohol just, like... It's not that fun. Didn't help. I wouldn't label that a fun drug. No. By the way, I... um, Similar-ish thing, and just that um, I had this unrequited crush in college, and I was totally friends with the guy, and when I lived in New York, we had dinner, and I was like, I have to tell you, you were, like, a huge unrequited crush, and he's like, we completely made out. Like at this fraternity, I'm like, we did like for ten years. I've thought of you as like the the one I could uh, never get. Isn't that hilarious? Sort of. Yeah, I, well, I had something like that also, but I would get drunk. The reason I started getting more drunk was because I had anxiety surrounding 
sex from all that. Yeah. From the breastfeeding and the taking advantage of. Right. My freshman year, my dad fell into a coma and I had like, that night I went home with someone and it got really dark. Mm -hmm. So I had like issues around it. So I would get drunk to go out. And I also had like body insecurities because I, my siblings are all great looking and I always looked off from them, which now we now know because I had a different father. Okay, you're like 6'9". Yeah. hot. I didn't feel that way, but I looked different from my sibling. Yeah, okay. So like it was more like an anxiety. Okay. That, and my mom was just like, oh, you just look like your, your father's father. Right. But would she really, she was that good at lying about this. Yeah. That she like made up like these extreme fat, like. Like, oh, you look like his your grandpa. Like, right. I wasn't related to that man, and she knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just And her. all four of the other siblings, same dad. One of them is from her high school sweetheart. Okay. That's what we're dealing with. Okay, yeah. The situation. Okay. Um, so I had issues surrounding all these things. But then I went to England mm-hmm. for my year abroad, mm-hmm. and that was when I started. I had already started drinking multiple nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, England was a disaster from night one. The first night we went to, someone had invited all the Americans to this party. Mm-hmm. I was already plastered i definitely drank a bottle of wine because wine was my thing mm-hmm. like i would drink a whole box mm-hmm. by myself a box of wine yes Classy. and not vomit yeah um and so i went to this house and i was getting really sloppy and someone kept on trying to give this girl a drink mm-hmm. and i eventually got in there and i was like i'm gonna take it and i just took it out of his hands and chugged the whole thing mm-hmm. there was something in it mm-hmm. that because next thing, which thank God I took it, because mm-hmm. he wasn't going to do anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing you know, I wake up the next morning, the whole room is spinning. Mm-hmm. I like roll out of the bed. I w- continued to be fucked up, I think, for like 12 more hours. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a hangover. It was like... So you got spiked with something. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what happened. Yeah. Because I had never vomited before. Throughout, like, I had drank and drove. I had fucked people's boyfriends. But I never vomited. Right. Until that day. And then it was clear that I was... That's immediately what I knew. Because it was like, I'm vomiting profusely. And I never vomit. Like, I ate and I vomited. I ate and I vomited. Right, right. And then, in the middle of that, when I got to England, I fell in love with someone for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, like, the absolute worst person Mm -hmm. for me to fall in love with. Mm -hmm. And he, and I had like kind of saw him and just decided that, mm-hmm. which is like, I think a very drunk thing. To decide that you were going to fall in love with him? Yes. Or it's like I saw him, which him. is like a crazy drunk person thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I once <laughs> fell in love with a gay man who thought he fell in love with me until he realized he was straight a week later. So <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. So, but then like, so he had come over to my place and the first time he came over, I got completely plastered. Mm-hmm. I, um. I don't remember what I said to him. I just know it was like a complete disaster. But for whatever reason, he kept on coming around. Mm -hmm. And he would shit talk me and pretend he didn't want to be there. But he was always there. Mm -hmm. Anytime there was a party in my apartment, he was there. Mm -hmm. Like, would shit talk, shit talk, but always show up. Mm -hmm. Always look miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I only hooked up with him once. And the only time I ever hooked up with him, I had like been mad at him. And I had dressed really slutty for a party. And he had and I wanted him to say something. Mm -hmm. And he came up to me and he said you look like an American slut. And I knew he had class complexes, like most people in England. And I said to him, well, at least I'm not a lower class kid in England who can never so like socially climb up. Mm-hmm. And then you're always going to be that way. Mm-hmm. And his face was aghast because no one had ever said that to him before. Mm-hmm. And then I found him like a few hours later and he was lying face down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to let someone lie face down on the ground. So I like roll him over to like help him get up and then he grabbed me by the collar and pulled me on top of him and that was the only time I ever hooked up with him 
Wow. Okay. Um, so it's like two people who are very fucked up. Yeah. Me being one of them. Yeah. And then, though, every time I saw him, though, I'd have to get drunk to speak to him. I like, could not speak to him sober because mm-hmm. I couldn't handle the... The, the love. Love and also just, like, sex. I was just nervous around it. Right. Even though, like, I was very sexually active. It was mm-hmm. just, I had all these hang-ups about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we had gone out one night. They have this thing in England called sconcing. It's mm-hmm. like an Oxford thing. Okay. I, I did my junior year there. Yeah. And it sounds familiar. Yeah. They, like, basically it's, like, two groups from different colleges who are part of a club go out. Yeah. And they do. It's basically never had that ever. Right. With, like, more alcohol. Okay, yeah, we didn't do that. And I got super blacked out, and we were outside of a gay pub, and I just started calling people faggot, mm-hmm. which you cannot do here, let alone in England. And someone started yelling at me about it. Unless they think you're talking about cigarettes. Yeah, no, they knew. I was like, you're a faggot. Right. And in like my like vocal fry, Florida voice. So eventually someone kept on going at me about it. Like, you can't say those things. Like, what's wrong with you? And I just said to him, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm from Miami, bitch. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Which like, if you're from Florida, you never want to be the person saying I'm from Miami, bitch. In Europe. Yeah. Let alone Oxford. Yeah. And then I went into the club. I like pulled someone down and then like to the ground, like mm-hmm. just, gr- and then it like stop, drop, and roll mm-hmm. across the floor. And then um, my lesbian friend who lived in the apartment below me like grabbed me and was like, you have to go home. Mm-hmm. And so then, funnily enough, some girl was trying to sleep with her and invited herself to come home with her. Mm-hmm. But like the girl who lived below me was not down. Mm-hmm. So this girl ended up walking me home 30 minutes and did not even get laid. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the way home, I was crying. I kept on, like, insisting that I lie down in puddles. So by the time I get home, I'm, like, covered in, like, mud mm-hmm. and water. And then there were people in my apartment in the living room. And I just, like, took off my clothes, was hysterically crying. I think I filled my pockets with peanut butter, mm-hmm. someone told me, mm-hmm. and threw the peanut butter at the wall, like, the jar, mm-hmm. and then made everyone watch this, like, Barbara Walters special with <laughs> Courtney Love mm-hmm. from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I got a Facebook message from the people I loved with, and they were like, we need to talk. I had assumed they wanted to have a threesome, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. down. Um, and I literally had no clue that they were gonna, like, intervene, because mm-hmm. I didn't think I had a problem mm-hmm. at all. Like, to me, that was just, like, a bad night. Not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And then we went to Starbucks and they were like, this has to end. And I just like, then it hit me. I think in the back of my head, I knew what the problem was and I knew why I was doing it. And, but like, I didn't want to admit it because of the shame of like coming from a family that had all these issues. And I was always like, I'm not going to be that person. Mm-hmm. And then I was like that person times 10. Right. So then I like broke down crying and I was like, I'm going to be sober. And it's always sober for like, eight weeks mm-hmm. and long time if you're in that situation to me yeah before you've kind of given it up yeah it was a long time um but it was in england and everyone in england was like what are you doing you can't be sober yeah. like you can't be sober like what yeah. are you talking about that's yeah. ridiculous that's an american lie that's not real yeah i've been to meetings in england and they're like hundred year old men like there's no like young people and no because it's like they don't no I mean like yeah they just were like no 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 yeah um and so like have you seen the new Amy Winehouse movie yet no oh it's what a documentary I saw it oh, early that her screen- dad maybe made no no her dad hates it which okay. means it, it's, it's true true yeah um but like in it her parents are like in such like the stiff upper lip yeah. Like her like she tells her mom she has an eating disorder and her mom like 
brushes it off as a diet. Right, yeah. And, like, the dad literally tells her not to go to rehab. Well, yeah, we know that. Yeah, but, like, literally, it's, like, way darker when you see how she was living. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. So it's very much that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But then I had written this, because I was new at writing. I didn't know, I did not know what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like writing is something you learn from experience and mistakes. Unfortunately, now, because of the internet, it's not like you can just write it and no one will see it. Yeah. Like, it'll be in some back page or something, and no one will see it. Yeah. Now it's, like, there forever. Yeah, true, true. Um, like, like, so much of it that people, a lot of stuff is never seen. But I hear your point. It's well, there. like, no, though, like, I have, on my Google results, there's something that I wrote on my personal blog when mm-hmm. I was in college, and it's, like, number five on my Google results. But you can delete it if it's on your personal blog, right? No, because I shared the blog with someone. Okay, okay. And they... Yeah. Like, also, I don't like the idea of deleting things. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in that. I yeah. think that's, like, sketch. Like, I don't... No, I don't believe in deleting. Like, I believe in corrections, obviously. But, right. like, or, or updates, but not, like, I don't think I should... Also, it was good, but it's just I don't want it to be, like... Yeah. Number five. Like, a personal yeah. essay I wrote when I was 19. Yeah, yeah. But I had written a personal essay while I was at Oxford about the gay scene there. Mm-hmm. It went viral there. Mm-hmm. It's still, if you Google, like, gay Oxford, Wadham, which is the name of the college right, it's still, like, number three. Mm-hmm. So, and I've had... I. Proud of us now at the moment I was, but I've had Tinder matches, and then it'll be British guys who were in New York just like on vacation, but they had come to Oxford after I'd been there, and they knew who I was because it's like all the gay kids read it now when they get there. That's amazing, which and crazy. is so funny because I'm from Miami, yeah, and like this puppy dynasty, yeah. like not their people, yeah, which so is amazing, yeah. But I had talked about that boy who I was in love with mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. and he obviously got really upset as he should. Mm-hmm. He was really mad at me. That's when I learned like personal writing on your blog and for like a publication, two totally different things, mm-hmm. which totally different stakes. Mm-hmm. Also, not go to write personal essays as you're in the middle of things, mm-hmm. and. Then I went to a rave for someone's birthday party, and I was like, I'm going to be sober at a rave. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> not true. Mm-hmm. And I ran into him, and it was only like six of us going, and it was like a pregame. And I saw him, was there for like 10 minutes, then went and bought a bottle of vodka and drank the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then when we went to the rave, he took too much Molly and got poisoning of some sort. Mm-hmm. And then I took care of him for two hours in a bathroom stall mm-hmm. as he was vomiting on mm-hmm. me. And we had, like, a heart-to-heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really sweet at the time because that's how fucked up I was. Right. Um, so then I was like, oh, I can handle my liquor. Like, I saved someone's life when I was fucked up. Right. So then the cycle just... <laughs> went from there. Went from there. It was the same shit. Like, I think it was better for, like, four weeks. Mm-hmm. But then it just increasingly... And so, and so what got you to the point that day that you, you know, got the job advice? Like, why then? Well, I had decided before that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, because I had gotten sober, I guess, like, the night before. Mm-hmm. And then I went in in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, within a 24-hour day span. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was I, I don't know, like, when I was getting fucked up the mm-hmm. last few months I was drunk, mm-hmm. it was in the back of my head, like, you're leaving... England and you're gonna be never drinking again Mm -hmm. it was just in the back of my head and it wasn't something I thought about a lot it was just like would flow in and out did you know anybody who was sober no yeah I just it was just in the back yeah of my head yeah that like okay this is like you're not doing your schoolwork yeah clearly is not helping like the reasons you're drinking it's just making these problems actually worse right like the boy situation got exponentially worse because of the alcohol yeah and so I was just like, I'm going to not 
drink. And mm-hmm. I think it helped that I had gone to England because I think a lot of my issues, like behavioral issues, like when drama mm-hmm. would happen, as like white kids call it, mm-hmm. like I always blamed it on my my family mm-hmm. or like I'm friends with crazy people. Mm-hmm. Then I was in England. I did not know anyone. Yeah. And so it was clear, and if anything, the problems were worse. Yeah. So it's clearly like this is my own yeah. doing. Like I was in those situations because of my history. However, like I'm... I'm the one responsible. I'm 21 years old at this point. So, like, I'm of the belief that, like, once you're 18, like... You can't blame people. You can't blame people. Yeah. Like, it's like Lindsay Lohan. Like, everyone's always like, like, oh, she's a bad family. But it's like, eventually you have to... Take responsibility. Take responsibility. I mean, many people go to the grave never doing that. But I would agree. I mean, if you want any, you know, actual personal growth. Yeah. You have to, like... You can't use your life as a crutch. Yeah. Um, And that's what I was doing. So I think the three things, though, that made the combination of, like, I'm going to get sober, mm-hmm. and it actually worked, mm-hmm. was one, I just, like, saw that I had career prospects. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to fuck that up. Mm-hmm. Also, like, media is something where people fuck things up with their mm-hmm. al- alcohol problems a lot. Do you think? I feel like the industry is so forgiving. I do, but the, I just feel like if you made, like, one drunk mistake... But if, yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting is I feel like, you know, because of the Gawker, uh, you know, sort of mentality, um, even though I was thinking last night, I can't remember the last time I read Gawker. I cannot. But anyway. I have no comment on this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it off here. But like, but I was reading the Mike Albo, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he's talking about Gawker. But, um, but I feel like one dumb thing can be a scandal that gets so blown up, but people get away with like egregious stuff all the time. Like the girl, Ju- Justine Sacco, who Twittered yeah. that thing is like, you know, persona non grata, even though that has nothing to do with addiction or alcoholism. But like, Yeah, I mean, I'm just, but like, I'm just like conscious of that like execution yeah. cycle. Also, because yeah. like, I went to college at the beginning of this like new campus liberalism, which like is very mob-like. When I, like when I was at Sarah Lawrence, I got kicked out of a safe space. Because I said faggot, but the mm-hmm. girl who kicked me out was a straight girl. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why are you? And then she hung out a sign, hung up a sign about homophobia. Mm-hmm. So it was like, this has clearly gotten so right out of control. That... Sarah Lawrence is like the epicenter of yeah. But scene. now, but now it's at every college. Like yeah. it's become like a national thing. Yeah. Sarah Lawrence was like had it earlier because yeah. of what it is, but now it's like. At Florida State schools. Right. So if it's happening in Florida. Right. Like. It's, it's jumped the shark. It's jumped. The, like the culture has jumped the shark. Right. I'm hoping like there's some sort of culture war and things come back to moderation. But like I was conscious of those things. Yeah. And I didn't want to fuck things up. Yeah. Or like also like I didn't want to like miss a deadline. Yeah. Or like. Like stuff like that. Yeah. So I just. And like. They were like. Like I had like. It's more spelling errors than I would. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it could go from spelling errors to something much worse. Yeah. So it was just like, I I just like, am a crew, I didn't want to fuck things up. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I like, could go one or two ways. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, that boy, I had invited him to my going away party. The England boy? Oh, this is yeah. in England. Okay. Um, and then he was like, Said he wasn't going to come, but then I uninvited him because mm-hmm. I was like, every time you come, it's just an argument. Mm-hmm. But I was drunk when I sent the message, so it's obviously, like, super mean. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him the night before, the last time I got drunk, mm-hmm. actually. I saw him at a ball. Everyone was in tuxedos, and he came up to me, and it wasn't really a punch because he was, like, super twinky, wouldn't be able to make a punch. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, if a... If he could. If Tinkerbell could punch, this would be the punch. Right. So, and that's what happened. He came up to me. He said, you're a cunt. 
put like shoved me at least it was at least a shoved a shove that like a attempted right. whatever right some and then i asked him what i did to him and he was like you know what you did you know what you did and then his friends dragged him off literally the last time i ever spoke to him mm-hmm. and i was like well clearly my alcohol is not helping in this department yeah and then third i spoke to alexis and i was like if that girl can get sober really so is it was it when you did that story on her i got decided shortly after that i was gonna get sober so it's partially because of her that's like, if amazing. you do the, like, chronological, but, because I was like, if she can get sober. Yeah. Because she was fucking nuts. Yeah. She's like, yeah. off, like, to the depths of hell. Yeah. So I was like, if she can do it, I can surely wow. do it. Yeah. Um, And so then it wasn't, like, a big thing in terms of, like, I was, like, thinking about, I just, like, I'm do- doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and it helped that I was leaving a place. Mm-hmm. And you do not subscribe to the 12-step thing. I have OCD. So, like, part of the reason I initially drank was because of OCD so like I had started doing 12 steps but it was just like a new obsessive compulsive disorder what do you mean well because it's so like you do this and mm-hmm. then you do that mm-hmm. and you do that but, and with someone with OCD if things are too structured it turns into like uh, like anxiety it was giving me anxiety but does it isn't work so structured isn't life so structured but not in the way the steps because the steps are like the kind of religious okay yeah aspect. and it's not like and I'm not like an atheist or anything but or have, like, issues with the religious part, but because it's so, like, almost like a prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. I'll use a Catholic now. It's like a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you give that to someone with OCD, it quickly turns into a really, like, an obsession. Mm-hmm. And it, like, made my self-worth even worse. That's so interesting. So then I was, like, so I go to meetings when I, like, if I have a day where I'm, like, I could really use a drink now, I'll go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. That's when I go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go there to socialize. That's, like, mm-hmm. why... And I've done, like, certain parts. Like, I have a higher power... A belief in a higher power. Mm-hmm. And I've done some amends. Mm-hmm. There are certain people I... That's the main thing that I was interested in of the steps was amends. Because, mm-hmm. um, A, I have really bad Catholic guilt. Mm-hmm. And, B... Um, you have a lot to make amends for. I do and I don't because it didn't damage that. Yeah. I never got... Because, like, I pulled the brakes. Mm-hmm at the right mm-hmm. time so like there like and a little, so it was like yeah so it's just your guilt your own personal guilt that personal guilt so there's certain right. people like that boy in England mm-hmm. I definitely own amends to but I don't he blocked me on every social media thing so I have no yeah there's not really a way to like send an email yeah. I don't even I don't even think I know his email so yeah. like that's kind of like a thing that it's like I do feel like people will be presented when um when the time is right, I know that's happened to me where I'm just like, I have no way to reach this person. I have no way. And then, and then like three years later, they're walking down the street. Oh, that did happen to me. There was a guy who would not take my amends. He was just like, I don't want, this is weird. And then it's like 10 years past and he totally forgot. And then I ran into him and he's like, I'm putting together a proposal for a poetry book. Can I get your help? And I was helping him and I was able to make my amends. Whatever happens. Um, But, but, so, okay, so so do you think it's the higher power thing that helps you to stay sober? Yeah, the higher power thing. And going to meetings, because there are days where I'm, like, really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, like, I got sober the day I got a job I really wanted. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, and I worked weekends. I was a weekend editor for, right. for, for like, 20 months. Yeah. It's kind of hard to drink when you're a weekend editor. Because uh-huh. you don't go out the nights people drink. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my, like... I think that was really my saving grace mm-hmm. was that I had to work on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I could not go out Friday, Saturday 
and by Sunday I want to sleep. So that was really, and also I was in school and working, so I did not have a single day off. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have time. Did, um, but do you have times where you do want to drink? Not like, I will, there, last fall there were a few, but I, this is one good thing I really got on meeting. This girl said, like, when you want to drink, don't envision, like, the first, envision it all the way to the morning. Oh, yeah. And the second I do that, I'm like, no. Yeah. I've also gone out, because I'm primarily, I'm not around people my own age very often. Yeah. Because, like, mo- most people my age are interning. Or they're yeah, or unsure they're what they're doing, or they're still in school, or they're, school, yeah. or they're traveling. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm mostly around people from the age of 28 to like 40. Yeah. On a daily basis, that's pretty much yeah. who I'm around. And so I I went out in New York with some people who were like older than me, and I was like in a few months ago, and um and I was had slept with a guy who was older who drank a lot, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't, I'm so glad my life will not be yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I am so glad I will not be the 33-year-old. So you know that. You you are committed to doing this for life as much as you can say that. Yeah, because I'm the, like, least biggest... I'm the, like... I'm the sanest person in my family now. I'm mm-hmm. the, like, everything I want, I have. Like, there's not really much I'm longing... Like, right. longing for. I wouldn't be able to do it if I um, wasn't... If, if I wasn't sober, mm-hmm. like that's. And what about the drugs? Like, did you, were you just not? That it was, was always just thing? alcohol. Okay. Yeah. I never, I did not like weed. Yeah. I never did Coke. It was just alcohol, but it was too like the. Extreme. Like I could not, ha- I liked, I always said I want to be on the floor. Like I wanted to be the person lying down. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. who I wanted to be. I did not. Cause some people would be like, well, why don't you just have a drink socially? But I didn't like the taste. Yeah. I, I don't know what buzz means still. Yeah. To me, like, I don't, because I never got buzz. It was like, I would have, like, four shots yeah. in a row. So, like, I never got. That's so interesting. I definitely had buzzed for years. And then. And then. I never. Because the first time I got drunk. Yeah. I drank and drove. And. And you. That hooked up the, with a guy's boyfriend in alley. So, like, I never really got. I never, like. It was from the get-go. Like, yeah. I'm a zero to 60 person. I'm not... I don't do moderation. Yeah. I'm just not a moderate. Right. What are the, some other things that you don't do in moderation? Um, like, you're clearly not a food No, the thing person. is I'm super skinny, though, because I have an immune deficiency. Oh, okay. So that was the other thing with the drinking is yeah. I was in the hospital all the time. Oh, wow. Because I had this immune... <laughs> I had an immune... Basically, I have a genetic mutation. I don't even remember what the... Not little, it's like a, one of those things where it's a bunch of letters uh-huh. and you barely know what it is and yeah. the doctor just tells you and you're like, okay. Oh, what are the symptoms? Basically, my T-cells go in a cycle. Mm-hmm. This is from like what the... I can understand from what the doctor right. said. And they crash. So when they crash, then you get really sick. And I would always get a lump in my throat and would, like, struggle to breathe and swallow. So oh I'd be God. hospitalized. But – and then I would drink on my antibiotics, so. Yeah. So it was, like, clearly not – I don't know about you, but when I was on antibiotics and I would drink, I would still feel better. But the problem was that the thing came right back the minute I finished the antibiotics. The kind I were on, the doctor said it they just don't work. Yeah. Or you vomit. I would vomit. Yeah. But it was, like, worth it because, like, going to meet a boy. Yeah. Um, but anyway. And also not possible to not drink. I mean, I remember when I had strep throat, I, I got it three times in a row, and they just kept telling me don't drink. I was like, yeah, cool. And I just was like, well, that's something to ignore. Yeah. So I just, like, it just was, like, so I'm super skinny because I. Okay. But, like, I can't buy groceries because I eat them all on the way home. Wow. Okay. So, like, so I'm. how do you feed yourself? I have to eat out because otherwise, that's the only way I'll do it in moderate. Right. Moderate. Like, I do get groceries, but it's, like, 
You buy like one meal at a time. Yeah, because otherwise I'm going to eat them all. Wow. Like I think I bought like five yogurts last night and I ate three of them. Wow. But just because it's like I yeah. don't. And like I'm a workaholic. Clearly, like, clearly you are because yeah. you couldn't be this successful. In yeah. Or school. yeah, I'm, I'm a workaholic. Like yeah. I don't like I've written the last eight days out of eight. Yeah. So and by for at least five hours a day. So it's like I'm not. Well, and so and you also are a full time editor as well as a writer, correct? Um, yeah. I mean, like on I write more than I edit. Okay. So like it's more like I have a quota and I have to meet the quota mm-hmm. and what how much of that is going to be written and how much is going to be edited is like. Uh. And what's your beat advice? Um, it's kind of evolved over time. It was never purposeful because mm-hmm. after that whole incident in England, I was like, I'm never doing personal writing again unless mm-hmm. it's a book deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> never again. Mm-hmm. Um. And I really haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing, I've noticed it's gone in cycles. So I did a year where I profiled and then the New York Times profiled and Glamour profiled and every other magazine profiled this woman who manages ever, most of the D-listers in Hollywood, Dina and Michael Lohan. Yeah, who, what's her name? Gina Rodriguez. Yeah, you were like obsessed with it before you were obsessed with what's her name, who you're still obsessed Sydney? with. Sydney? Yes. I'm friends with her, though. I know. I, yeah, tr- I'm friends I watched with her, the whole yeah. like, But So I profiled her, and then I basically profiled a bunch of the other people in that right. world. And then um, Sydney was kind of the last one I did of that, because she lived with me. That was To clarify, Sydney... Uh, letters. Anthony Weiner's mistress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I did a large series on Juggalos, but again, that wasn't like intentional it was i went to the gathering yeah i go to places and again this is a lot of that is because of that boy because i was like i'm not gonna hurt people's feelings when i write like i don't first of all i mostly cover celebrities and like white trash culture right um like or like working class culture i'm not really interested in anything highbrow that's why i left new york Mm -hmm. and also and the weather is terrible for my health yeah but um and i don't want like in my opinion if you're not like, I'm not covering national security. Right. So I'm not going to ruin anyone's life. Yeah. I don't have... And there's no pressure from Vice to do that? No, not at all. Yeah. No, because this whole thing, like... Because it's not like I'm doing things in, like, a swarmy way. Right. Like, my... Like, a large... I just profile Insane Clown Posse, for instance. Mm-hmm. And it's the most profile... Most positive profile ever written on them. Right. But, like, they have a complicated art. They have, like, a method to the madness... They've created, like, an empire. Mm-hmm. Um, they've sold more records than the Yaya Yaz and Jack White. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, like, people don't know that. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was being falsely positive. Yeah. And the ar- article was also dark, though. Like, it talked about both, like, one of them was a victim of child molestation. A right. lot of their songs are about murdering pedophiles. Right. Most of their violent songs are about murdering pedophiles. So, like, I didn't, like, put, I, I just stated those facts right. and left it to the reader to put the two and two together. Right. But, like, I'm not doing, like, falsely positive right. profiles, but I think a lot of people, especially who are liked by, like, working class people mm-hmm. or like, people who work in pet stores, mm-hmm. like, their work is more complicated than people think and sometimes more complicated than critically acclaimed work. Mm-hmm. Like, ICP is infinitely more complicated than Eminem. Who's ICP? Insane Clown Posse. Oh, sorry. sorry yeah, yeah, it's yeah. In, like infinitely more complicated than like M- critically acclaimed Eminem. Eminem is very direct too. Like you literally, I, I'm obsessed with Eminem, but yeah. like, you literally get like, you're like, oh, that was your experience in your life because he's so specific. Yeah, where, yeah, you'd have to listen to a lot of ICP albums to see the greater yeah. themes. It doesn't really 
come off of like if you listen to one song. Yeah. So, so I did that. Um, I did a profile like that of Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a profile like that of Aaron Carter. He got really mad though. Oh, I remember that one from Twitter. Yeah, he got very mad. He threatened to kill me. But it was really nice. But then it, something happened afterwards. The nice profile. He was upset because in it I compare him to Mickey Rourke. Okay. Mickey Rourke has an Oscar. Yeah. But here's my thing with like a lot of these people, you can't do it. You can't just be like Aaron Carter. And I've seen Aaron Carter perform. He's incredible. Yeah. But you can't just be like, oh, Aaron Carter's a great performer. You have to preface it yeah. with the reputation, what he looks like, what he's been through. Yeah. What's this connected to on like a larger socioeconomic level? Right. And like his face is beat up. He had a drug problem. His sister and him had the same drug dealer and she died. Mm-hmm. That is connected mm-hmm. to his life. To his life and also to his public image. Because you have to bring people in with their expectations and then break their expectations. Yeah, yeah. So you have to acknowledge like... Yeah, what everybody knows and what's reality. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the way I, I typically structure those things. Yeah. So I would say my beat is really just um, people other people... Hate. Hate. Like, and then making them like that. Yeah. Or and also showing that they're more complicated. And, like, there's a method to something that might seem really dumb. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, like, the opposite of, like, the sort of Vanity Fair or, like, a lot of those things where they're, they can be likable people where they have to, like, find some terrible thing. Yeah, well, I only want to profile people that other people think are monsters. Yeah. I'm not really... I'm not interested in, like, anything highbrow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just really not. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Okay, and so... And so... Did moving out here have... Okay, so you moved out here, what, like two weeks ago? Like a month ago. A month ago. And, um, like, does that have any impact on your sobriety? or? It's easier here because I feel like there's more sober people. Like, in New York, you go to AA, and everyone is, like, some old punk rocker. Yeah. um, Or a very depressed person. Who looks like their face was hit with a brick. (laughs) And, like, here, it's, like, you know, West Hollywood AA on a Friday night is, like, a nightclub. Yeah. Um, And it's younger here. Yeah. Um, so I, it's much better here. Yeah. As you are going to meetings. I went to one, like, when I first got here, because mm-hmm. it was, like, changed. But then, like, I just haven't had time. I have too mm-hmm. many deadlines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have too many Much deadlines. Much work to do. Yeah. And, um, okay, so, and so what else? What other talking points have we not hit? I mean, I like to get way more into the recovery than I do into the, like, crazy addiction stuff, and we definitely covered that with you anyway. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know, like, that's definitely, like, I didn't have this, like, I cut out most of my friends, but not on purpose. It was just, there was a lot of people when I got back to New York, and I was like, oh, we literally have nothing in common. And so, yeah, I mean, that sort of happened to me, too. Like, it wasn't, it was just sort of drifted apart. It wasn't some, like, we we need to talk. Yeah, I had none of that. It was, like, all, like, if I see them, I'll, like, at a party or, like, on the street, it'd be yeah. pleasant. Like, yeah. I just, we just had nothing. I was like, oh, we just drink. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I just remembered something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, and, and I want to kind of, like, relate it to addiction. Um, I remember your anti-Obamacare stuff. Yes. That was your one thing that you were uh, negative about. Um, yeah, well, it was because my mom yeah, lost, lost her fucking insurance. Yeah. So, like, I want everyone to have insurance. Yeah. Um, but, I like, you should at least have a functional website. That website, man. Yeah, that was more my thing of it. It wasn't like, I don't think people should have insurance. I think everyone should have insurance. I was mad because in Florida, more people lost insurance than got insurance. Right. They said my mom had bad health care. It's $50 every time I went to the emergency room or something like that. Yeah. So it was like, wrong. Um, 
And then they ended up giving everyone their insurance back. Right. So it was clearly, and the website did not work. Yeah. Like, which is crazy. Crazy to me because they could have, they spent like 600 million or something, which they could have hired like five college students who just graduated, paid them like two million each. Yeah. And they would have made their career off of it. Yeah. Everyone would have hired them if the site was like this amazing site. It would have cost them like 10 mil. Yeah. And instead it cost $600 million. Still unclear where the money went. Yeah. Um, so, okay, but, like, here's my, here's my really smart question. So, now Obamacare covers uh, treatment to a degree. Yeah. Uh, like, that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that is a good thing. Yeah. I just don't think that, like, people should lose their insurance in the process. Yeah, like, so that people. But you didn't need treatment. No, I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. I didn't need... Um, like inpatient. Yeah, I don't think that w- would have worked. I ne- I'm the kind of person when like I make a change. Yeah. It has to be like overnight. Yeah. Like I'm an extremist, so if I would have gone to treatment, I don't think it would have worked for me because it would have just been like sitting in a house mm-hmm. and going to counseling all day long mm-hmm. in group counseling, and I would have just gone nuts. That's so interesting. I don't think it would have worked for for me. And so would you say your path? Which is unusual to sobriety yeah. would work for other people. No, but I don't think everyone th- like I don't think we everyone, all have our own. I think everyone has their own. Like I think it's and it's with so many. It's like something like twenty five percent of medications just don't work. Oh, I don't know. Well, it's something like you mean all medications. It's like if if a hundred people take a pill, it'll mm-hmm. probably only work for seventy five of them or something. Okay, like because everyone's body's different. Yeah, like that's why they're moving towards like genetic based medication prescriptions and everything because yeah. everyone responds differently. Yeah, so I think it's. Like any other illness, in the sense, like it's not. And do you think it is an illness, like a disease? I mean, I think it should be treated like one. Mm-hmm. I th- like, I don't know enough about the science behind it to make. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody does. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people know enough. Yeah, like that's really it. I just don't think anyone knows enough. Yeah. So. Um, I, I love how kind of intellectual we got at the end. So, is th- there's anything else to add? Add it, but kind of fascinating conversation I would say yes yes so nothing to add I don't it's too much pressure I can't think of anything no I went through all my bullet points yeah I love it okay I hope you guys loved that episode I think you did that was Mitchell Sunderland I I feel weird saying his name it sounds so Sutherland or sounds better I don't know please follow him on Twitter it's highly entertaining at Mitch Sunderland even though he's not a Mitch at all he's a Mitchell, but as you heard in this episode, that was the only name that fit on Twitter. Okay, catch you next time. <laughs>